To episode 75 of the Unraveling Technology Podcast. I'm David Johnson. I'm joined by our special guest, Sean Millward, and we've got Adam Willerton. Hello. I'm hey. botching this intro already. Regular, <laughs> regular <laughs> listeners will notice that um, I've taken over MCing duties from Joe Tonks because he's away on holiday this week. So this is the long awaited Joe's on holiday, and we're still recording a podcast episode. You've got this, David. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll settle into it within like a minute or so and we'll be fine. But <laughs> yeah, so how are people doing? You had right. a good week, Sean? Yeah, it's been quiet. It's been nice, actually. Yeah. For, um, spent today in an office rather than um, it on the phone. So that's been a, been, been a nice change of rhythm. It's been good. Good. Yeah, had some pizza last night. It's a bonus. Yeah, wow, that's good a good week. week. Yeah, that is a good week. Can't complain. Any week with pizza. We had... Uh, it was noodles earlier this week. Oh, they were good noodles. Because mm. somebody's birthday. Matt's. Matt's, Matt's birthday. Matt Richard's birthday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were great noodles. We've been uh, expanding our choices, Adam, for um, birthday lunches. Oh, what, besides Streetfordshire? Well, uh, no. The tradition, traditionally, we used to have pizza on people's oh, yeah, birthdays. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And then we expanded our horizons to include burritos from Street Food <laughs> Chef. But now we've got about five, got or, like six five or six things. I think we've got noodles, you can get Subway, you can get that's one more. I can't remember what it is. McDonald's? No. <laughs> although <laughs> there, although there was a um, uh, consideration for using uh, trying out Uber Eats to seeing how much oh, they would yeah. deliver to us um, at some point. But I don't know whether that will actually get put in or not. We'll see. Happy meal for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, weekend's coming up, and I I'm doing the sort of usual thing that Joe and I do, where one of us has a week off, and it's immediately followed by the other one having a week off. So I'm winning this time because <laughs> Joe gets to come back to my mess. Great. Um. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So you're off we- next week. Yeah, I'm off next week. So if you if you record a podcast, I'm not going to be there. All right. What where are you going? Um, we're going to have a few days away in um, sort of near the Lake District. Oh, nice. And then probably lounge around the house, maybe do some jobs, maybe play some games. That sounds amazing. That, that's all I want to do is just have a week where I can just sit at home. Yeah, use my expensive new computer. Oh, yeah. oh how's that gone? You've been putting together a... It's, it's great. Um, yeah. I don't use it anywhere near enough <laughs> to justify how much I spent on building it. But yeah, no, it's good. So I'm going to be up front this week. I don't have a um, Kickstarter of the week. I did not look that Joe up. Joe will be see furious. <laughs> see if we can uh, frantically Google one for the end of the episode. Sure. <laughs> if, you, if you start tuning out uh, and not paying any attention, then I'm just going to assume you're Googling a Kickstarter and I'll ask you, yeah. ask you for it at the end. <laughs> um, what I did do, though, we don't... We don't tend to do a lot here on the Unraveling Technology podcast of like most of our stories and our research comes from the internet and just kind of sitting behind our computers and searching stuff and then a bit of our kind of own experience and knowledge and stuff. So I had this idea about doing something a little more journalistic. While the cat's away. While the cat's away. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I basically, I went to our boss and I said, how would he feel about giving me a couple of hours out of work to go spend some time, do some research for the Unraveling Technology podcast and go watch the Emoji movie? <laughs> Very and, nice. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I have a Cineworld card, so it wouldn't cost anything. It's just a couple of hours out of the day. Just go <laughs> sit in the cinema. Uh, he laughed. So yeah, so but you... I had a free weekend, so I went and saw oh, it anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought I'd give you like a little mini review. Yeah, I've somewhere. been, I've been excited that. for this. <laughs> what first off, what do you guys know or? 
think you know about the Emoji Movie. <laughs> Forget everything you think you know. About. <laughs> uh, I've I've seen the few reviews and predictably the horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I watched the trailer just to see what if you know if I thought there'd be any redeeming qualities, and it does look abysmal. I I don't really know nothing about it. It does not even slightly pique my interest, and therefore <laughs> I have not just ignored radar. it and decided that it's no, it's just not for, not for me. Well, if it sets the scene any, I um I went to Sydney World and I tried to use the automatic ticket machines to buy tickets, and they are sort of maybe 75% of the time they don't work at all but after spending two minutes navigating through menus it'll just fail with an error anyway that's beside the point so I ended up having to go to the actual cashier and I said I wanted a ticket for the emoji movie and she gave me a right look (laughs) she She was not impressed (laughs) Um, and she said is that all you want a ticket for today and I said yeah did you feel judged I did feel quite judged. Um, I don't know how much of that is to do with her dislike of the movie and how much of that is to do with certain news articles that came out about people doing things in the emoji movie that they should not have been doing. Oh, yeah, that was bad. I was trying not to think about that, being on my own and going into a cinema full of families. I don't really want to be picked out as that kind of person. Mm. So anyway, um, yeah, so it's it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) You're joking. You didn't see that coming at all. I mean, where do you start with it? Go on. So I guess the premise is probably a good place to start. It's, um, It's set inside a smartphone. And not like a generic smartphone. It's like a specific smartphone of this kid called Alex. And um, the hero is this guy called Gene, who is a meh emoji. You know the common meh emoji? The yeah. worst of the, the emotions. It, it doesn't exist. There's no. no meh emoji. Really? If you, I, I sat and, you know, you can search for emojis on your phone. I typed in meh. And usually you get like something back, nothing. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a meh emoji. Anyway, um, yeah, so the kind of premise is they all these emojis live in Textopolis, I think. Um, yeah, and they uh, they go to work every day, and their work consists of sitting in these sort of cubes that are arranged in this big grid to look like the, you know, the grid that you scroll through of emojis. Uh, and they wait for Alex to scroll through them represented by this big finger machine thing and then tap on them to use them and that kind of they then pull their emoji face and something scans the image and uploads an image of that and then sends that in the text and that's their job uh, i'd say what it reminds me of um what's it called wreck it ralph Mm. you know like how Mm. they have to kind of like perform in the game or whatever sure i quite like that film though yeah, yeah, it's, good, yeah, it's yeah. like Wreck-It Ralph, but it's not as clever. Okay. And yeah, they... Um, so Gene's particular thing is that he's supposed to be a meh emoji, so he's supposed to have a singular emotion of meh all the time, and that's his thing. But he doesn't. He has all the emotions. He's very emotional. He finds things very funny or very sad or whatever and just can't help himself pulling these weird emotions but for some reason they still think it's a great idea to stick him in this system where he has to pull a single emotion um and so he gets picked on his first day he freaks out he pulls every emotion possible while getting scanned which sends this weird image on this text um and the rest of the emojis decide that they're going to delete him for this <laughs> and they're not going to like say you're sacked you can't work here no they're going to delete him oh, so man it then becomes this sort of race of him running away from... They've got these security bots, which I guess is supposed to be like antivirus, which nobody has installed on their phones, so I'm not really sure. Uh, and he meets up with this this high-five emoji whose whole deal is basically that he used to be a favourite emoji, which meant he got into this exclusive favourites club, but now he's not in the favourites list. So 
I don't know, his whole purpose is gone and his whole identity is crushed and so he decides he's going to run off as well. Um, of course. And yeah, they, they go off in search of this hacker who's going to be able to go into the cloud and download the source code and fix whatever's wrong with Gene and hack high five back into the favorites list because nobody's going to notice if he gets hacked in there or something i don't really know <laughs> and it basically descends into this whole thing of trying to run through as many corporate promos as possible as they jump from app to app on the phone oh i saw this don't they mention like candy crush and stuff like that so i, I took a list um <laughs> so we've got facebook we've got dropbox instagram twitter um, YouTube, which features a scene where they distract the security bots by showing them, you know, that surprise kitty where video where they're tickling the kitten's oh, stomach yeah. and then like pull the hands back and the kitten goes, ah. Yeah. And yeah, that that on the big screen. Um, <laughs> then, yeah, the kind of the Spotify. The, the weird one that they throw in there is uh, WeChat. Which Sean's drawing a blank on WeChat. Is that like WhatsApp? It's the Chinese messaging service. Which, like, given your reaction, like, I I knew what it was mostly because I think of doing this podcast. But um, I I can't imagine anybody in the cinema that I was in would know what WeChat is. So the only reason, the only reason I can think that they put that in there is because they want to market this movie in other countries. Mm, yeah. Which just seems like a really weird, like... Well, it seems so far that its primary primary function is just to make money and yeah, market itself and there's a to lot get of paid marketing. for advertising thus yeah. far. Yeah. Talk the... to me about Patrick Stewart. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Stewart has, I want to say, he has a fair number of lines, actually. I was, I was reasonably surprised. Patrick Stewart voices the poo emoji and he has a son in it who exists entirely for one joke and then disappears about how they emerge from the bathroom and his son says should we wash our hands and Patrick Stewart looks at his son and his son looks at him and then they both laugh and walk out the bathroom (laughs) that's on the trailer I saw that it is but it's a slightly this is another weird thing going back and watching the trailer it's a different version of the joke Really? On the trailer than is in the, and there's another, the other kind of big joke in the trailer is about High Five saying that he's eaten a load of candy from the Candy Crush land, oh, and yeah. then he throws up a bit of candy on his on his thumb, and then he eats it again. Um, that joke happens, but it happens in a completely different location. Really, it's just yeah, it just seems weird to me. I mean, I don't know a lot about. Um, I mean, in movies, you would get an actor to redo the line a bunch of times it just seems odd that they would take these multiple lines and multiple takes of the same line and then reanimate them mm. rather than just pick the best one but uh yeah so there's there's candy crush features prominently there's a whole section in candy crush where he gets caught in the candy grid and they have to play this candy crush game um the kind of the other big one is just dance Okay. Which, yeah. So, which I think it is available on mobile. I don't know how many people play it on mobile. Um, it was mainly like a Wii thing and a um, Xbox thing with a Connect, where you kind of have to. Oh yeah, where you, you know, like the, dance in it. Yeah, it's a game where there's like an avatar that shows you how to perform certain moves, and you have to copy the moves that they're doing, uh, and they have to, for some reason, dance their way through with three lives otherwise they get deleted (laughs) um actually like talking about deletion which is essentially their version of death i guess in the smartphone world very very cavalier about deletion yeah so there's a scene where they go into like a um it's a piracy app that's disguised as something else because I guess Alex has downloaded a piracy app uh, and they meet all these like um, there's like a Trojan horse behind this bar and there's like a virus that sneezes on people and there's a spam email 
floating around. There's also internet trolls. So you know internet trolls, the mm. like, you know, twelve year old kids that sit behind a keyboard and don't have any social skills and just make fun of people. Turns out they're not real people. They're actually just constructs that live inside smartphones, specifically hiding out in the privacy app. Um, Great. Yeah. So anyway, um, security bots come in there and they blast everyone and delete everyone and doesn't doesn't seem to matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we just met these characters and now you just deleted them. So I guess that's fine in a kids movie. Um, they yeah the just dance lady who gets quite a big scene and stuff, she gets deleted by security bots. Uh, High Five gets deleted. I'm I'm slightly straying into spoilers here. I'm assuming that anybody who has interest in the Emoji movie... David, I'm going to watch this. (laughs) ...has already been to see it. Um, Yeah, they have this thing where the trash gets emptied at the end of the day. So kind of they've got deleted and they're in the trash and they've got until the end of the day to rescue them. And you like you see all these characters in the trash when High Five gets deleted. And like the Just Dance lady, she's crying. She's got mascara coming down her face and she's just saying, I just wanted to dance. And you're like, wow, okay. It's really dark. Yeah. I mean, so like obviously they're going to come in and rescue High Five, which they do. They rescue him and nobody else so just dance lady who just wanted to dance and is crying and upset and she's gone <sighs> just movie doesn't care about her she's gone oh man uh all the other characters in there gone great it's yeah it's uh it's an odd one what a movie um i just yeah i we shouldn't spend too much time on this because it's really not worth <laughs> it. it it has a six percent on rotten tomatoes which i was just looking at some reviews there are quite amusing reviews on imdb most of which aren't entirely appropriate for a podcast of uh, is it okay is there any re- any redeeming qualities to it there's got to be something that you thought was all right i mean i i kind of enjoyed james corden voices high five and he seems to be having fun and yeah. it's just it's nice that he's carved himself out a little area and, you know he's got an audience in america and yeah he just seems to be voicing all these kids uh animation characters and seems to be having fun and yeah that's fine there was there was a couple of jokes that were okay there's a lot of very base humor in it there was a like in the intro this is there's it's talking about how kids are all obsessed with their smartphones and you kind of like panning through the school gates and stuff. There's these two kids who are texting and they walk into each other and fall over, which is, you know, that's obvious joke. But then they both, while lying on the floor, take selfies, mm. which I thought, yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's a good, <laughs> good extension of that. Um, but it's just, as a film, it's just so just they didn't really think about anything they just kind of threw so you can imagine a boardroom where they're just like right phones what are the things about phones facebook let's let's do facebook let's do a twitter let's Mm. do spot spotify's on phones Mm -hmm. let's have a scene where they they ride the streams to get through spotify oh man Um, dropbox is a so Dropbox is kind of like the big target of where they're trying to get to. The hacker that they meet wants to go and live in the cloud, but can't get into the cloud because Dropbox has got a firewall, which it doesn't. No. Um, (laughs) And the firewall has facial recognition. What? Because why not? (laughs) And so because Gene, and like just as an aside... There's, I think, maybe four characters in the film that have names, like proper names, and everybody else is named after the emoticon. So Patrick Stewart is Poop. That's his name. Like, why Why, why is the main character called Gene? Why is he not called Meh? Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, they because he, he can pull all these faces, they figure that they can get past the firewall because he'll have an unlimited number of tries at this facial recognition firewall. And the security bot can't follow them into Dropbox because it's a secure app. Um, okay. What? Unlike but, this is but, ridiculous. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because um, they get through the firewall, they get into the cloud, 
um there and then the security bot just shows up anyway so i guess it could get into dropbox <laughs> great well that was <laughs> but yeah the the big the big thing for me is just like none of the characters go through any kind of development really mm. and you've got like gene who pulls all these crazy faces at the beginning ruins everything and proper spoilers at the end he does exactly the same thing he pulls a bunch of faces when he gets scanned to uh and but instead of sending like a static image of a weird face it sends like an animated emoji that switches through a bunch of emotions and then this girl that alex is texting is like oh you you feel lots of conflicting emotions uh, I really like guys who can articulate their emotions. And it just seems to go from bad to worse. You've got like High Five, who's all self obsessed and stuff. And at the end, he's like shouting about how he saved the day. Um, you've got this, like, there's the hacker character who's this girl called Jailbreak. Um, and she's got this big, it's kind of like, clearly somebody sat down and watched frozen and said hey disney have figured out that girls can be more than just princesses so they've got this jailbreak character who's this hacker who it turns out is actually one of the princess emojis um and she has all this spiel about how um in the first round of emoticons if you want only uh, the only women emoticons were princesses and something or other else which pretty sure emojis are gender neutral but hey um and yeah she has this thing about she's going to leave and go and live on the cloud and go and see all the world and stuff and they actually have this falling out kind of thing because gene tells her that he likes her and she's like oh well i still want to go off and live on the cloud and you want to go back to textopolis um but then he gets kidnapped so she goes back to Textopolis and then just stays there. So I guess she didn't want to go live on the cloud. I guess that wasn't important. Um, so did you did you like it then? It entertained <laughs> me, but not for the right reasons. Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. Would you say that you get what you were expecting with it? I I think I did. Yeah. If you if you're the parent of some young kids then they are probably going to be entertained and I don't think you'll be bored. And unless you think too hard about it, you're probably not going to be really offended by anything in it. Mm. But it's just mindless and just clearly corporate. Yeah. Just kind of just make a film that the kids will watch, you know, do two drafts of the script phone as many companies as you can and get them to take part in it yeah it's uh yeah well we the spent emoji movie we spent 20 minutes on that so it can't have been that bad <laughs> well, you clearly uh, let's let's move impression. on to some of the uh some of the other topics and i'll stop talking and let you guys contribute okay so the first story that i pulled today is a relatively new one about the launch of facebook watch mm. you seen this in the news yeah it's interesting for various reasons so this is facebook's always had video and a lot of the time that video has been sort of discovering it on your timeline as friends post things Mm. and they seem to be wanting to move into a more curated video system it's it feels quite like youtube i think to me Mm. that's what i've got the impression of just reading about it and looking into it a little bit I think um, I think the interesting thing I found about it was the kind of push on the curated side of it, and there's a little quote from the article which you sent through to us, which I found interesting to think about, which was uh, let uh, Facebook feature called Dub Watch will let users discover videos from outside of their feed more easily. So f- from outside of your feed, I thought it was interesting because there's a whole this whole thing going on. Uh, this whole discussion going on to do with kind of feedback loops in news and um, yeah. things that you get in. You follow the people whose opinions you share and yeah, therefore yeah. you never get any opinions outside of the things that you've already decided. Yeah, just wondering whether this is 
a little bit of a response to that um, mm-hmm. was my first thought on it. But I, it, it looks like an interesting idea. Um, but like you say, equally, it's almost like they've seen YouTube and they've seen Netflix and they've gone, hmm, we're going to go give that a go. But it kind of seems like it's an aiming somewhere in between the two. Yeah. Um, they're kind of, they're funding their own original content on there as mm-hmm. well and kind of getting some, I think... I think I read Major League Baseball is going to broadcast a game a week or something on there. And they're selling it as this whole idea of get together with your friends and watch something and mm. talk at the same time. And It's kind of an awesome extension of like their video platform along with things like Facebook Live, maybe, which is yeah. been a thing they've pushed. So it's kind of an amalgamation of a few ideas, I guess, um, in terms of the community side of things. And there's going to be watch lists and things so you can subscribe to, you know, producers that you like, channels that you like, Hmm. they call it channels, whatever words they end up using to differentiate themselves from YouTube. It's like shows might be the... uh, Yeah. So it references shows a few times. Um, I think it's kind of a good idea, to be honest, Um, because Twitter's already kind of doing this. Um, Like, for... For big events and stuff, they'll run their own original original content, or mm. they'll host other other um, producers' content. So, like for instance, I watched the election night coverage all on Twitter, okay, and it was really good. It's just like a continue. There was like no adverts, continuous feed. Got lots of different, you know, like guests on and stuff, and it, it did work really well. Mm. So I can see it kind of working, but it it just depends on like what kind of form it takes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, and it doesn't. And the other thing is, you said like no ads, but it, it mentions that the I think it is going to be ad. Oh yeah, Sh- shock its Facebook. <laughs> yeah, like so heavy on ads. Yeah, and it looks like the the idea being that they're going to give creators fifty five percent of the ad revenue if mm. it's exclusive to Facebook as well. as one of the other other things they're saying. So, can, so does does it say whether or not it's like anyone can do? It looks like. At the moment, I think they're only... um, So there's a quote from the Facebook blog uh, where they say, we'll be introducing Watch to a limited group of people in the US and plan to bring the experience to more people soon. Similarly, similarly, we'll be opening up shows to a limited group of creators and plan to roll out to all soon. Mm. So it does sound like, yeah, this will be available at some point to everybody to create stuff. So it sounds like a bit mixture of Twitch as well. Yeah, sounds, well, that's, that's like Facebook Live. It'll be well. interesting to see because it sounds like they're taking ideas from different places a little bit and they kind of put it together with some of their ethos of the whole community side of things. But it'll be interesting to see whether it ends up slightly morphing itself and becoming something simpler or something. It, it almost has a little feel, bit of a feel of like we're kind of testing out a few ideas and we'll see what shakes out. Mm. It might become more like YouTube, or it might become more like Netflix, or it might become mm. like more like a communal watching experience where you can talk to your friends. Yeah. It's more of like a Facebook Live side of it. It's like it sounds like they haven't almost like they haven't quite fully got yeah. an idea of what people are going to want from it yet, and therefore are just trying lots of things. <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think like. Like you said, like, you know, for instance, like YouTube, Twitch or whatever have like purposes, you know, like this is what this is, this platform's for, use it. Like Facebook, it just kind of seems like we're going to make a platform and like how you use it determines how we're going to move forward with it yeah. in the future. Mm. As, as to be fair, that's one of the things which Facebook does quite well, I think, in yeah. terms of they've got, they, I mean, they gather so much data that I guess that mm. they've got that at their fingertips to play with and if they... I, get, I imagine they'll be doing a lot, doing a lot of A/B test, A/B testing. I imagine mm. doing one thing, one group, and another group, for another group, and then seeing which people react to more positively and that kind of yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, there's this whole idea of the Facebook walled garden as well, where they're just they're trying to come up with more and more ways of kind of keeping you inside the Facebook yeah. ecosystem. Mm. So there's now all you can do shopping on Facebook and. As well as you know, chatting to friends, playing games with friends, doing all kinds of things, and it's just yeah, it's just adding to that. You've now got you can watch videos on mm. this on the Facebook platform. So why why go out elsewhere? You just keep staying within Facebook, <laughs> keep it's, watching uh, our adverts. It's a mess. I think it's a mess. Like it, it's so 
difficult to navigate and you're not sure where to find stuff yeah. like things mm. just pop up on your timeline and you you kind of consume that but like i wouldn't know where to go if i wanted to see a selection of facebook live videos or do, do you know what i mean yeah and it also seems like there's quite a lot of changes going on at the moment in the facebook app particularly and also the facebook messenger app as well doing loads of things with at the moment as well yeah and it, it seems literally i mean i don't use either of them loads Therefore, whenever I seem to go on it, something seems to have moved. <laughs> yeah. And I go, ah, oh, I know that there's that thing on here before. And ah, oh, it's moved somewhere. I don't know where they've put it. Mm. Um, and uh, I wonder if it'll maybe just be add to the confusion having another tab which does a whole set of different things. But mm. yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, th- I think that will be quite important to how successful it is as well as to how good that UI is on that tab. Yeah, um, You've already got quite a small amount of screen space. And I know, like something like Netflix or, or even Fire TV. Um, I know I much prefer using something like Netflix over the my Fire TV stick thing. Yeah. Because the Fire TV stick is just frustrating. It mm. it works very similarly to Netflix, but it doesn't seem to do it quite as well. And when I'm trying to find things on Netflix on on a fire tv i can't find it eventually i often give up on just going on netflix to find something else there instead whereas uh, so i have a fi- feeling it's going to also be a similar thing here of like they're going to have to nail that ui otherwise they're just going to lose people who are going to get i'll just go and f- watch something else somewhere else yeah. yeah cool um next story i pulled um let's talk about hacking voting machines i love this it's great so this is um I guess kind of off the back of all these allegations of Russia hacking into the US election and, Mm. you know, shifting votes around and to which I think there's still no evidence that that necessarily happened. Um, Yeah. But there's a, um, there was a big convention um, called DEFCON where a bunch of hackers managed to get hold of several different models and types of voting machines that get used in u.s elections um they didn't go and ask the government to donate some uh i think the large part of them they gathered by buying them secondhand on auctions and things governmental Mm -hmm. auctions so they assembled this big collection of um all these different types of voting machines and then tried to hack into them and it took about 90 minutes before they managed to get in and start affecting things and the concern really concerning one was that they did, did one of them wirelessly mm-hmm. um which is mad that's there's, there's like two completely mad things that kind of stood out to me in this one is that a it's possible to get um real voting machines on ebay um that's in itself is ridiculous why would the government allow the voting machines to be sold um secondhand which will clearly be bought up by hackers and um researched on and to try and try and do exactly what they've been doing here two was that they have wi-fi in them (laughs) 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 why why would you put wi-fi in i think because they basically this is my guess uh, i don't know but i would imagine if you're setting up voting halls all over the place then um who knows where you're going to have to set this up and whether there's going to be any internet connection nearby and so on or maybe it's just a way of you know easily getting data off the system without having to plug into it just like it's a terrible idea yeah i'm not really sure especially because they talk about one of the um the voting systems i think it's called like a win vote system yeah which I think they said had like a hard-coded WEP uh, wireless thing in it, Mm. which WEP, just for reference, is very, very, very insecure and hackable within seconds. Mm -hmm. So what that is doing in a system, I don't know. Well, a lot of it, the other thing is that you just seem to be using extremely old hardware Mm. and operating systems as well. And unpatched operating systems. Yeah, yeah, so it references the fact that it uses xp which isn't even supported by windows anymore um it's well, microsoft sorry um it's it's just a little bit crazy i mean that i'm trying to find uh, another quote in this um here um but, ba- I can't see it, but basically saying 
um, they put in loads of money to it, but clearly didn't think it through. Um, a few like a few years back, they put loads of money into buying and setting up electronic voting machines, but it just hasn't. Yeah. The security implications just hasn't. There was been a thought rather through. disastrous election in two thousand, mm. which was very paper based and a lot of their solutions and the way that the votes worked were just incomprehensible to people it turned out mm. and there's a lot of instances of people either i think i think they probably picked this up because they got a lot of ballots or an increased number of ballots where people had double voted or an in- and also an increased number of ballots where people hadn't voted at all right um I I don't know a lot about U.S. elections. I have to be honest; I hadn't really heard much about this 2000, although I vaguely I, remember the one lots thing of that, recounts happening. Yeah, the one thing I do know about it is that they're far more complicated. That the ballots are way more complicated than they are in the UK, um, and therefore you can see how it can be more complicated. And you could probably put that into software much easier, more more easily, mm. if you kind of have a if they press this and they will. That you're going to want them to ask these, answer these questions. That's much easier to set up on an electronic system than it is on a piece of paper. Well, there was um, there's a thing called a butterfly ballot that was used in Florida in 2000, which um, it's kind of got options down both the left and right hand sides of the piece of paper, and then in the middle is kind of a a series of dots, and I think you have to punch out the one that you want. And so they kind of like alternate with these arrows pointing to the dots. So like option one on the left points to the first dot and then the option on the right points to the second dot and so on. But then you kind of, it's the ballot sort of dips in the middle. So if you, if you're looking on at it top down, you can kind of see, okay, well, it's a bit confusing. You got all these list of options, both in a left-hand column and a right-hand column, and they're both pointing to these central dots, but you have got arrows that line up. But because the ballot sort of folds, if you look at it from a side-on point, the the dots don't line up with the arrows anymore. <laughs> so you can very easily see how people got horribly confused and maybe yeah. voted for the wrong thing or voted for something then went, oh, wait, no, I, I want the other one and marked that one as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the kind of increase in electronic voting is supposed to sort all of these problems and avoid that. So, the issue is it seems to have kind of been rushed in and nobody's really planned it. Things like not put, putting in, um, what, what's what's the phrase, kind of like firewall, I guess, but also air... Air gaps. Air gaps, that's it. Um, systems is just basic common sense security that you don't want to have wireless um, signals flying around which can be hacked because there's... Like I mean, the fact that they use this massively outdated security protocols that it's just us mad uh, in itself. But um, even having Wi-Fi is bad enough. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a bit ridiculous. So the the machines that um, that they hacked into are they are the machines to count paper votes or are they like you input it on to the machine? This is inputting votes. That is mad, isn't it? Like, yeah. why would you even? have that <laughs> it's just crazy like in, you're in asking ways, for trouble in some ways it makes sense mm-hmm. as long as you think through there, there's some basic security stuff you can put in place which makes it them very difficult to there's so much like there's so many points down the line of someone inputting a vote to it being counted and being collected and put in with the rest of the votes like that it could just go wrong i guess it's like a, the closed box thing isn't it of like there's there's a ability to watch and see the very simple process of a piece of paper being put into a box that box not being opened until it gets to a counting center where a person can be watched opening that box yeah, exactly. same, same mm. box it's kind of um whereas who knows what's going on inside like, the black box which is a computer you, and also like if you see a if you're counting votes out you can physically you can physically see how many pieces of paper are on the table like you only just have to delete a digit on a on a you know yeah I don't know, like, I know that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but, like, that's just that's just an example of how easy it is to, you know, dock to results, isn't it? Mm. I don't know. At the same time, I kind of feel like the paper system just seems, I don't know, they're just they're, they're not like, fit- if they were, like, banknotes or something with, you know, kind of 
waves and shapes and holograms and stuff built in then i'd feel like oh yeah this this is a this is a voting piece of paper this is mm. mine this is linked or well not necessarily mine and linked to me but you know it's it's one of a kind and there's only x number of these that lines up to the number of people to vote and stuff it seems it's it seems kind of weird and old-fashioned to me that we it, do vote on paper it feels maybe like- that's just me it feels like it should be an obsolete system, doesn't it? The paper thing, like you say, is it's just so. And we've had we've had paper that we can write on for hundreds of years, or, or don't know how. I actually don't know how long it is. That might, yeah. Anyway, but <laughs> at least decades, yeah. <laughs> um, and now we have computers, and it feels like that there should be a more secure and a better way of doing it with computers. Um, but it does involve a bit of thought. Yeah. Um, I guess that it's the counting thing is the at the end of the day, even if everybody puts in the right paper and stuff, then you've only got to have somebody, you know, pick up two sheets of paper at the same time. And, and there are all sorts of examples um, in particularly kind of less democratically stable places in the world where um, voting has been falsified with mm. just putting in loads of but ba- like, but at ballots of just pieces of paper with falsified things and there's ways to exploit every system isn't there and it's just trying to make them the most secure and the most um unhackable as it were mm. um, yeah uh, and the the only other point i'm going to say on this before we move on is that um some of the machines that they pulled had not had their data wiped off of them, and they managed to get about six hundred and fifty thousand voter personal records. Off I didn't them. read that. That's, that in itself is yeah, yeah. So That's crazy. don't throw away hard drives without wiping them, which I think there is a blog on, on yeah. the Unraveling Technology yeah. blog. Yeah. Uh, little plug for you there. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from one kind of hacking to another, let's talk about. Alex, the Russian casino hacker who makes millions targeting slot machines. This is an article from Wired.com. Mm. I've also heard listen to a podcast related to the same thing. It's very interesting. So this is um, this is a guy who basically reverse engineered um, what's called the PRNG, the pseudo random number generator, which is the backbone of how all slot machines work in casinos. Figured out how it works, how to predict the numbers, whereabouts in the sequence you are, and where the numbers that are going to cause the slots to pay out or give more likelihood of them paying out is in the sequence. Um, Then built a nice little app for it so that he can give this app to people. They can stick it on their phones. They can video the slots on the slot machine um he can then work out whereabouts in the sequence they are and then he can make the phone vibrate in their pocket a fraction of a second before they need to press the button in order to win and he's uh he's been running a company to do this for eight years and has made quite a lot of money doing so one of the numbers in there was um that a four-man team can uh make two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a week um, using this uh, hacked method um, on a slot machines, um, it's it's a fascinating article because it kind of it brings up so many things in terms of like the technology side of it of how it's done, which is in itself is interesting, and then it also just brings up the kind of whole moral, kind of ethical, law based side of gambling and all that yeah. kind of thing. It's just kind of because on on one hand you've got say actual law where he um, is insisting that this is all totally legal within Russia and a lot of provinces and states and things, this is actually legal. There's nothing to stop you doing this. The casinos aren't going to like it. (laughs) And what may well end up happening is the casinos might take all your winnings off you and eject you from the premises and buy you. But in a lot of places, there's not going to be any legal recourse. And then there's the whole sort of idea of, you know, if just based on pure mathematics, the house always wins. 
and he's got this kind of idea of he's this modern day robin hood who's going and taking these like corrupt businesses who are there set up to take people's money and that is their entire business is taking people's money um and just tilting it a little bit Mm. their way so they can get something back which uh yeah (laughs) um i'm not sure i quite buy that i i find it an interesting argument and one of the ones in some ways quite difficult to argue with in that if you can come up with a way of beating a machine which someone has put there purposefully for you to um lose to, take to, money, to 75 lose to of the time yeah and if you can come up with a system to beat that then what's wrong with that um it's on one side of it and you can see you can see the other side of it as well in terms of um well yeah you see but i find it hard to argue with that argument in some ways yeah Um, it's um yeah it's a a weird one i guess it has similarities to things like card counting and stuff mm. which again is technically not illegal but the casinos aren't gonna like it yeah um yeah i i find the kind of the technology behind it interesting as well Mm, because like I guess the classic old-fashioned slot machines were mechanical things, and it's just purely down to like, you know, forces of gravity and how hard you pull the thing and the lever and where they spin and so on and so on, whether or not they pay out, and they've mm. sort of got a vague, you know, vague probability, but nobody really knows what it is because it's all yeah. going to be down to individual like mechanical things, how much wear and tears happen, and so on. Um, Whereas modern day slot machines are basically just, they're just a random number generator that's sitting there calculating numbers like anywhere from one a second to like six million a second. Yeah. And based purely on that number that is sat there on the machine when you hit the button, that number determines where the slots are going to finish. And so it has like the actual slot that you. You know, you hit the stop and the actual slot that it stops on is nothing to do with when you hit that slot. It's That is kind of like almost a screen showing you what the random number generator inside the box is. And I guess I guess where it, the technology, kind of this backward um, tinkering that he's done and kind of cracking of the code, as it were, comes down to the fact that um, computers are inherently bad at um creating random numbers <laughs> they are specifically designed to not be random <laughs> and to be um precise and to mm. um yeah to not be random but but uh then clever mathematicians have made all sorts of algorithms which create the illusion of randomness um in a computer and uh particularly some of these older systems i mean we're looking we're looking a lot of these systems are look, you're looking at systems that were built in kind of 1981 or the algorithms that were, that were built in 1981 and that, that kind of that, that kind of yeah. amount of time 30 20 30 years ago and lots of machines are still using those algorithms but actually we've got a lot more computing power since then but a lot of machines are still using those old algorithms which can actually be cracked relatively easily by modern computing power um so uh uh, 20 years ago there's no there was no chance that anyone was ever going to crack this <laughs> this this random sequence that this computer had created but now we can do it um with some clever um analysis of video analysis and and a smartphone and a smartphone yeah 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 the um the article mentions like when they he reverse engineers and then he shares this code um that he's reverse engineered for the pseudo random number generator um and they managed to trace back this code to as you say this this book um the art of computer programming that was released in 1981 Mm. so these kind of modern-ish slot machines are using some code that was generated you know 30 40 years ago yeah um yeah, the the kind of the twist to this tale, I guess, is that he's we kind of come into the story with him looking to wind down this business that he's been running, this casino fleecing business. <laughs> um and 
he's kind of looking for one last payout and he's decided that this one last payout is he's going to contact the company that is kind of the primary company that he's been targeting the machines of and offer them um offer them advice on like how to fix their random number generators for a consulting fee <laughs> quite <laughs> an expensive consulting fee and also if they decide not to take him up on this offer then he's going to leak the information that he's got <laughs> open source out onto the internet which is quite hard to slice anyway other than extortion yeah, yeah that's the point it kind of feels like it, it the article kind of turns the corner doesn't it from being something which you're like ah. Oh. Oh, this, this guy's this modern day Robin Hood is yeah, uh, getting one back on these big these big money stealing casinos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, actually going after the slot machine manufacturers now mm. and being sort of kind of threatening. Um yeah, he does um he does talk about this sort of fantasy that he has as well of uh, kind of releasing this code out into the wild so that anybody can just download an app onto their smartphone and then go out and get payouts from the slot machines and just seeing what the world would look like if uh, you know suddenly all these people descended on casinos and started pulling money out of them which yeah is uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love this quote right at the end of the article can you imagine something like that alex asked it could uproot the entire slot machine industry and the world might become a slightly better place well for most people at least <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, and should that future come to pass, the losers will only have their mathematical fl- sloppiness to blame. Love it. Well, mm. um, let's move on to our final story. Um, did you manage to find anything in terms of a uh, Kickstarter? I show? didn't. No, um, not particularly. I, I slot, partly because I've slightly forgotten how Kickstarter of the week works, so I forgot. It's, it's a magic box. Joe just kind of. It, goes and sits on his own somewhere and then comes <laughs> back with something terrible <laughs> in a good way yeah always yeah um yeah i i just joe, didn't look joe will have to always another one next week yeah yeah we'll have, have to two next double. week <laughs> yeah so um final story i got for us this week was um about uber drivers um so i feel like every time uber comes up I spend the whole section bashing Uber. <laughs> so I'm going to try not to do that as much this week because I've not got we've not got Joe here being all enthusiastic about it. Yeah, um, I can try and be enthusiastic to. Well, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, so there's there's this study that's been carried out um, by the Warwick Business School uh, and New York University jointly, um, talking about how uber drivers are gaming the uber system so you got all this kind of this big uber system that's set up um it does things like it governs surge pricing so it'll sit there it'll monitor how many drivers there are in a particular area how many people are wanting rides in that area and then um it will change the price of the rides in that area depending on supply and demand so if you've got you know not very many drivers logged in um and quite a few people wanting to be picked up then it introduces this surge pricing where your your base um fare gets multiplied by a certain amount which is supposed to incentivize the drivers who aren't currently working to go oh okay i could actually earn quite a bit from that fare i'll i'll log back in i'll take in increase the number of drivers in the area um they uh so as an uber driver your kind of whole life seems to be governed by these kind of algorithms Mm. and there's also this element of you get given a certain cut certain Mm. payment of the fare but it's not a straight percentage it's just kind of calculated based on your performance and various other things which aren't at all clear um which kind of it kind of feels like a bit of a dystopian future to me Mm. if you're sat there in a car getting this cold unfeeling machine telling you where to go and who to pick up and then just dishing out some 
some percentage that you don't know how it's calculated of this fare that you don't know mm. you don't know what you're going to get paid and you don't know how it's worked out and so on um they so uber drivers have um been fighting back in a couple of ways um one of the main ones that this article talks about this article's from uh, warwick ac uk um they are organizing mass log-offs so as i say surge pricing is driven by how many drivers are available in given areas so if all of those drivers get together and decide that they're all going to log off at the same time suddenly there's no drivers in that area so surge pricing goes through the roof and then they all log back in again and get fares at multiples of the original fare price Mm. I see that's not fighting back against Uber though because it's it's people who are having the rides that are paying well yeah so it's uh, it's the end consumer that's getting hurt mm. <laughs> there's also um, there's a system called Uber Pool yeah which I've not I mean I don't use Uber so I don't know if I don't know if you can actually use it in the UK I don't think you can it's um I did I did do a bit of googling and there is on the English the UK version of the Uber website it does describe what Uber Pool is mm. Maybe which made me think it it's available yeah. but as yeah I've I've only ever got an Uber when somebody else has booked it on their smartphone so I've not been through the process so I I don't know where it's hiding but basically the the premise is that um you can get a cheaper ride by being prepared to share with other people so um if there's only one or two of you wanting a an uber you can um go into this uber pool and then en route to your destination it will pick up the car will pick up one or maybe two other people um there's a maximum of two rides per pickup and up to four co-riders total is the idea yep. so yeah the premise is you get this, this cheaper ride by sharing with people um this is apparently not very popular at all with the uber drivers and it's forced upon them yeah so that's another kind of area that they've been talking about ways of, of avoiding getting these uber pool rides which include but interestingly them just ignoring the notification to pick up other people <laughs> so, yeah which and then the app seems to stop seems to stop asking them to do it um which is interesting that that it responds in that way uh, but also there are a few other things they do as well aren't there? yeah um, there's a there's a quote um there's a quote from a driver who says after about two to three days of ignoring them that's the uber pool requests you will not receive any more. I've not received an Uber pool request in months. I guess Uber thinks they are punishing me by not sending me any more. Poor me, lol. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other the other way, apparently, of avoiding Uber pool requests is you pick up the first Uber pool customer and then you log out. And so you don't receive the second or third one and oh. you just deliver the first guy on their original... Um, original fare and uh so there's a quote on this one um apparently the drivers then still pocket 30 percent commission for uber pool rather than the usual 10 percent i think the interesting thing i found about this was the kind of um kind of referred to at the end towards the end of the article it kind of talks about how the uber management or the uber team or whatever they are like company um are seen as kind of an, a faceless entity by the drivers um because it's all computed by this algorithm and kind of where they should go and what they should do and um it has this whole built-in feature of encouraging them to go to work at random times when um things are surging because they're gonna they're gonna get more money mm-hmm. um but it's all done by their phones it all comes with their phones there's no contact with um that the central organization at all apart from by email the only way they can kind of talk to management or can talk to uber as it were their employers is through by email there's no there's no way there's no built-in um thing where they where they have a contact or some sort of supervisor or whatever um and a face to the 
to the organization. So mm. and it almost kind of feels like part of the reason that they don't really feel bad about doing it is because it's just it's just an app which gives them money, <laughs> and it's there's not they're not really working for somebody who they respect or somebody that they want to do good kind of do good work for, or it's just another way of it's just all to do with getting money for this company and of which they get a share and if they can get a bit bigger share by gaming the system then that's what they'll do and you can't you can kind mm. of understand um that this article ends with a quote from dr leo zalmerson i want to say um basically talking about that so say the drivers have the feeling of working for a system rather than a company and have little if any interaction with an actual uber employer this creates tension and resentment, especially when drivers can only email to resolve problems. Uber's strategy is not at all transparent. Drivers do not know how decisions are made or even how jobs are allocated, and this creates negative feelings towards the company, so they fight back and have found ways to use the system to their advantage. It kind of points back to that same thing we were talking about before with the voting machines thing of you can't see what's going on inside the box. Mm. And there's a kind of a trust element in there, isn't there, of... Yeah, I know this guy. I know he's trustworthy. I, I know this vote counter. Um, they've been vetted. They they're trustworthy. They've done this twenty years of their life. It's everything they, they kind of they believe in democracy and um, will protect protect these votes. Or uh, this employer. I, yeah, I know this guy. Um, I, I think he's trustworthy. He wants the best for me. If you don't have that relationship, mm. or there's a, a black box element to it, it suddenly in, introduces this element of distrust and like you say it kind of feels dystopian in some ways of um it's all yeah yeah if you're if you're working for i guess i don't know how how modern day city taxis or whoever work but if you're working for a taxi company then the person who's giving you instructions about where to go is probably you know the per- the same person that you see at the beginning and end of your shift when you mm. walk into the building and park your car and stuff. What uh, what I will say about this is every Uber driver that I've spoken to much prefers that to driving cabs. Yeah, like nobody nobody has said, oh yeah, I prefer driving it. But I guess that's probably why they're driving Uber. I don't know if cab drivers would say something different. <laughs> but like with with you know like with that. Um, the Uber system apparently is is much less biased when it distributes jobs. So, like, one of the problems with taxi services apparently is that, you know, there's, like, an element of favoritism. Sure. And, like, they get given jobs that way. And and a lot of people, a lot of Uber drivers I've spoken to have, like, mentioned that to me before. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I guess that's the flip side of it. Yeah. And I guess there's another flip side to it, which is that it does ultimately benefit the customer, this kind of algorithmic approach to it, because there there are lots of stories of people on a rainy day, um, a, a taxi driver goes out and, and is like, right, it's, it's cold and it's rainy, and I'll just, right, I'm going to make aim to make 50 quid today, whatever. Um, and once I've got my 50 quid, I can, I can go home. And because it's raining and loads of people... Are wanting cabs because they don't want to walk home that 50 quid is actually quite easy to make because they just have mm. to stop pretty much anywhere in the city and they can get a, get a fare and they can get someone home and they can make money so that 50 quid goes in a couple of hours that happens in a couple of hours and they they go home because it's raining it's wet everyone will be driving um and suddenly you've got a massive shortage of taxis because that's what all the taxis are doing mm-hmm. but a massive surplus of people who are having to walk home in the rain <laughs> or have to brave public transport or whatever um and so this kind of algorithmic thing where in that situation uber goes hey there's loads of people wanting rides right now um you can get double the money or triple the money or whatever it is um drivers go out and suddenly that problem is solved like from a customer side of point of view, that is a definite bonus. And mm. I guess, I guess in a way that it would be interesting to see what it's kind of some statistics or some whatever, some sort of evidence as to how much of a big deal this this kind of gaming of the system actually is um, compared to the potential advantage to having more cabs around and people being able to get home safe and all that kind of thing. You've got to imagine that with all of the kind of data and information that Uber's collecting and working on 
they're going to be able to spot things like, hey, suddenly all the taxi cabs in this or all the Uber cars, all the Uber drivers in this particular area of the city logged off within 30 seconds of each other. <laughs> that kind of thing is going to show up. Mm. But yeah, it. I guess it feels like kind of like a human resources issue maybe yeah, yeah. that's the sort of thing where <laughs> it seems to, seems you to be... need to talk to the drivers yeah uh if you want to resolve that in a good way and i feel like the way uber's set up it's not one of their strengths <laughs> the way that that's going to end up getting resolved would be you know knock a couple more percentage off that driver's cut yeah and i don't know whether they would tell the driver that that's what they're doing or why I don't know. This is this is speculation. I don't know how they're going to handle things like this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was sorry. I was trying not to bash Uber, and then I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> came around for a swift, swift kick. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, let's wrap the podcast up then. Uh, that's another Sounds podcast good. for one more week. We're seventy-five, which feels like a semi-significant number. Yeah. Yes. I think when we started, I wasn't sure about you using three like two leading zeros yeah, yeah. in episode one but how <laughs> you always had faith well good good forethought <laughs> um right so in 75 episodes i have listened to joe reel off all of the different ways yeah, of contacting I was, us i've been waiting for this <laughs> drum so roll this, please this is where i'm going to completely mess them up and show that i've learned nothing <laughs> um so there are several ways in which you can contact us um, you can send us an email at podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at unravelingtech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can um, check out our blog, which is unravelling.technology. Um, and we would also love for you to leave us reviews on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, wherever you get your podcasts from. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. No, nice. nailed it. <laughs> so yeah, rocky start, but came came into land. It got us there eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not here next week. So if we do end up recording a podcast, then it's not going to be we. It's going to be you guys. And Joe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll see you in two weeks' time. Looking forward to episode seventy six. <laughs> Cool. Um, that's it for the Unraveling Technology podcast. Uh, I've been David, been joined by Sean and Adam. Um, tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.